0: Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Toronto, the podcast that gives you access to industry pioneers, giving us an opportunity to learn together as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. Twice a month, we will be sitting down with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences to gain valuable insights from their careers and key lessons that they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions with industry trailblazers around hot topics of the moment. This is a fantastic opportunity for career growth, so please join us. Welcome back, HBA members. Today is episode six and our third hot topic discussion. I am Christina Bellier, HBA Toronto Marketing and Communications Board Member and your host for today's podcast. Today is a very special hot topic for me. As most of you know, I work at the Canadian Pharmacists Association, and we have been very busy supporting pharmacists coast to coast over the pandemic. Pharmacists have really risen to be one of our frontline workers that we depend on. They have stepped up offering vaccination clinics, COVID testing centers, and had to navigate ever-changing government mandates. On Saturday, we celebrated World Pharmacist Day, and I thought it would be very fitting for this month's hot topic to feature pharmacists. Well, in this case, our pharmacists in training, the future healthcare trail, trailblazers. In chatting with our pharmacy leaders of tomorrow, we're going to explore their views on the changes in pharmacy, including collaborations, collaborations with pharma, and why pharmacy has so many exciting new opportunities. Today, our guests are Mackenzie Van Loon, Allie Meyer, and Julie Ferguson, all three of them in their second year of pharmacy school at the University of Waterloo. They all attended undergrad at Waterloo as well, and they are currently in their second co op term. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And why don't you take a moment to introduce yourselves to our listeners?
1: Okay, well, I'll start off. My name is Mackenzie. I'm from a really small town called Alexandria, which is like an hour between autumn and Montreal and I've worked in a pharmacy since I was 15, so I'm really passionate about the uh, pharmacy world.
2: I'm Allie, and I also come from a very small area in Bruce County, Uh, so I have experienced different aspects of the healthcare system and definitely fell in love with pharmacy in high
3: school and decided that that was my career path. Hi, everyone. My name is Julie. I'm also from a small town called Marathon, which is near Thunder Bay. I began working at my town's local pharmacy in high school as well. And uh, since then, have moved on to the program at the University of Waterloo and have done my first co-op in Hamilton. And I'm now working at the Thunder Bay Regional. So I'm very happy to be here today talking to everybody
0: that's amazing and i love that you got it's interesting that you are all from you know small towns and i think that if anything you know from reading different articles that's where really pharmacy shone because you know that was the front line that's where everyone had to go um, and really depended on their pharmacist to help with everything from you know COVID questions to medications to just you know general questions about health so I'm excited to hear, uh, you know, how you answer all of our questions. So we'll jump right in with sort of the first one. That, you know, you've talked a little bit about this already, but you know, talk a little bit more about what got you into pharmacy and, you know, why you want to become a pharmacist.
1: Okay, I guess I'll start off this again. Um, so I got into pharmacy. I started working as an assistant when I was 15. Um, so in grade nine. Um, my town doesn't have a lot of options for job opportunities. So when I got the offer to work in the pharmacy there, I jumped on that. And I have worked as an assistant um, part-time mostly, but ever since Um, I worked as a, like the lead pharmacy assistant during the summers when my normal lead would take a vacation. So I was in charge of running the pharmacy basically and running the assistants. Um, and I just fell in love with it ever since I was little, I knew I wanted to do healthcare. And once I started working in pharmacy, I knew that was the place for me because you get to educate people, but you also get to help them at the same time. And for me, that's two things I'm really passionate about. So I just fell in love with it and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get there.
2: I love that. So for me, I actually went into um, like my grade 11 and 12 years in high school, not having a clue what I actually wanted to do. I knew I was looking at something in healthcare, but I also had like a few other fields that were very random that I was considering. And so I had gone to a career counselor and through that, I kind of narrowed down into healthcare and I did a co-op in high school at a local pharmacy. And I guess what really pushed me into deciding this was the career path for me was I realized how accessible and how much people trust their pharmacists oftentimes even more than their doctors. And that just that faith that they have in you, their ability to come to you anytime they have a question or concern, and that ability to help them regardless of their situation or suggest something to improve it when it might not be feasible for them to go to their doctor. And often people don't want to spend hours a merge because we don't really have walk-in clinics in my area. So being that provider for them really gave me faith in what I was doing.
3: I think for me, it's kind of along the same lines as well. Um, In high school, I was actually debating between uh, going to something in the health healthcare field. I wasn't entirely sure of what or actually becoming a lawyer. And then um, I was able to get a job at uh, my town's local pharmacy and from working there. Uh, it really opened up my eyes into, as Ali was kind of mentioning, all of the different aspects that pharmacists can offer to patients, as well as how accessible they are to patients. Because, um, again, it can be very hard to get a hold of uh, doctors or schedule an appointment. And um, like in community pharmacy, um, pharmacists are right there so they can answer healthcare questions right away. And then um, I've also really enjoyed just uh, interacting with patients and uh, being able to help them in any way that I can, but also uh, just being able to talk with them and um, being able to kind of uh, exert my expertise in regards to healthcare as. Um, I'm working like both in community pharmacy and hospital pharmacy. Now I can see one impact that pharmacists have, uh, in patients' lives. So I'm so happy to be a part of that.
0: That's great. I wonder if you haven't been deterred now, so, <laughs> but I know, and I think it's, um, the average person just has, I mean, I didn't before I joined CPHA had no idea, you know, what went on behind a pharmacy and, um, and it, it's eye-opening, you know, for any of our listeners, if you don't know, it's definitely something, you know, you should check into and anyone in pharma, you know, pharmacy is really sort of um, going to be part of all of your omni-channel marketing now isn't, you know, involving collaborations with with pharmacists. So uh, that'd be good to know. And, and I kind of wanted to just sort of follow that up because you've all worked in pharmacy for so long. Did you see a bit of a shift during the pandemic in the way that... Um, you know, patients that were coming in were, I guess I would say treating you, but sort of um, the type of patients that were coming in sort of seeking counsel?
1: I would say for sure. Like we were on our first co-op term in January and I personally worked in a community pharmacy. I actually um, went back to the pharmacy I worked in in high school and self-arranged and worked there um, just because I love working in my community and I know the patients and it's probably where I'll work in the future, but we definitely saw a huge shift of patients coming in, just asking questions, like, especially because the vaccine was just starting to roll out around then. Um, they had a lot of questions and a lot of, I found a lot of my day-to-day was actually talking to them just about the vaccine and explaining, that um, it's not like, because there's so much of that hesitancy and it's just explaining, okay, like we all got vaccinated we're, we're fine. There's safety protocols and there's safety everything. Mm-hmm. It's not something to be scared about. And we just saw a lot too, like even before that, before January, I was working a couple shifts last year. And a lot of then was still in 2020, it was still the uncertainty. We were on limited drug supply. We can only give 30 days at a time. Um, mm-hmm. Like in my town specifically being so small, we were running out of stuff daily. Our shipments were taking, like we'd go went almost a week one day one week um without getting drugs delivered so like we're running out of stuff constantly and it you got to see a lot of like even patients that i would known for years you got to see a lot of their angry side is what we were calling it um just frustration and not understanding and a lot of our job ended up being like trying to explain to them why we were doing this and why everything was going along with that so definitely saw a shift and then you also saw The super super nice people that were like yeah we understand the world is a mess right now like keep doing you Mm -hmm. be you guys you're doing a great job so
2: yeah i would definitely echo that last part like i feel people were either very very understanding or they got very frustrated very easily um probably because of a lack of understanding and i didn't Mm -hmm. really understand the difficulties that we were experiencing as an industry as a whole but particularly as individual businesses. But I also found like right at the start of the pandemic, I had worked a number of shifts and a lot of doctor's offices were closed at that point in time. And so I felt that we had a huge influx of people right off the bat, just because they couldn't go to their doctors or um, that was before all the virtual meetings and stuff were set up. So um, people automatically turned to pharmacists being healthcare provider that they could access and I think people realize you know how much pharmacists do know how much they contribute to the healthcare team and hopefully we're making people understand how valuable we are as a profession we're more than just um, people who count pills we know a lot about the medications we focus on the interactions and you can come to us with questions about a lot of different things and we're there to help you Um, so I I thought it was quite a neat shift for the most part, even though there were definitely some people who didn't understand why we were only giving them 30 days or were trying to stock up on all their medications. So that way they couldn't understand like, well, we want you to have a little bit and this other person to have some too. So Mm -hmm. that way everyone is okay. And some of that was difficult, but communication was really key in that part too. So big shift, but hopefully it's Going to help us shift towards where we want this industry to go as a whole.
3: I found that uh, there were a significant amount of people um, who kind of had a shift in how they viewed pharmacists after Mm -hmm. coming into the community pharmacy I was working at when the pandemic first began. Just because a lot of the people coming in, they were worried, they were concerned, they didn't know a lot about what was going on and uh, I found they were very grateful um, with the information that we were able to provide them at the time and um, I think that it really opened their eyes as to like what pharmacists uh, are capable of doing in where like they didn't have that knowledge before like they came to us because we were the most accessible but they didn't know how much we could help them so I think Mm -hmm. that was really neat.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad that it's great that you have that perspective. I mean, because you hear that a lot from sort of the seasoned, you know, people that have been working in pharmacy for, you know, 10, 15 years and it's great that you were able to see that shift and listeners, if you are one of those people in the frustrated group, please make sure to thank your pharmacist the next time that you <laughs> see them. Um, because yeah, I think that it was hard when people didn't understand that it wasn't you, that it was, you know, the government and you were trying to avoid shortages, which people, again, it's, um, I, I, I don't know how you do it. And you guys are all wonderful for for having to deal, I think, with what, uh, what you, what's been thrown at you. So that being said, do you see yourself continuing to work in community? Do you kind of, you know, think you might transition to hospital, LTC, or even pharmaceutical? Where does sort of your career path, what does your career path look like?
1: So for myself, that's a one, or a question that is still up in the air. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I mostly have community experience, so I know that environment, um, but right now I'm also working with the Canadian Pharmacists Association mm-hmm. um, uh, my second co-op, and I'm loving that. I love having set hours. Um, when you're working in community, your hours are just whatever. You're working holidays, you're working nights, you're working 13-hour shifts, you're working this, you're working that, so you don't really know, um, and I like having a set schedule. It's really nice, especially when I'm like, thinking to the future and thinking of like, okay, am I gonna have a family? Like how would that work and stuff Mm -hmm. like that? But I also plan to do a hospital rotation for my next co-op. So that'll Mm. throw another aspect into the loop and then I'll have to make a decision, (laughs) which is best for me, but we'll see. Mm -hmm.
2: I've always been drawn towards community pharmacy because one thing that's really important to me is creating those relationships with people. And so in community pharmacy, you're able to help people throughout their life. You're kind of dealing with all aspects from, um, birth to death and being able to Mm -hmm. optimize medications along the way and improve that stuff. Um, I've always been really, uh, in, I've always really enjoyed and I've also wanted to own my mo- own business and you can't really do that with a hospital position. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said my first co-op I did do at the Thunder Bay Hospital as well and I kind of got to see the, the flip side of it and the optimizing the meds in the hospital and how much of a role pharmacists play there and so I'm still slightly undecided. I'm still leaning towards uh, community pharmacy mm-hmm. but I, I'm open to a lot more options because i I know that pharmacists have a big impact no matter where they are. Yes. And so it's just kind of figuring out what role is going to be best for me at what
3: time in my life. Um, I would say that I'm still undecided as well. Uh, my, I first started working like in community pharmacy in my small town, which I loved. And then uh, my first co-op I did at a community pharmacy as well in Hamilton, out um, a Rexall downtown. And I love that as well. In community pharmacy, I would say, um, there's a lot of unpredictable questions that come in. And I would say that's very interesting and a lot of over-the-counter um, recommendations that can be made as well. Uh, which I really enjoy. And again, like you can uh, form strong bonds with uh, patients that regularly come to community pharmacies, community pharmacies. Mm -hmm. And then I just recently started my second co-op at the Thunder Bay Regional, which I'm also loving as well, working in hospital. And this has really been an eye opener for me because uh, it's my first experience working uh, in a hospital uh, with a pharmacy team. And what I do find very interesting too, uh, is that in hospital, uh, right now, like my job is basically doing, um, medication reconciliation. So comparing, uh, people's home meds to the meds they're getting in hospital and then ensuring there's no discrepancies, um, or ensuring that there's no drug interactions with like medications that they need to be started on in the hospital. But, um, in the hospital, uh, many of the pharmacists that i work with as well are actually uh specialized so we have like infectious disease pharmacists or pediatric pharmacists and so i find that's a very interesting um kind of little subgroup of pharmacy as well so i'm still undecided but um all of these experiences are definitely giving me options
0: yeah and they all sound like exciting options and like you said no matter what you pick the like you know with the role of pharmacists changing and you know kind of morphing into something um you know merging both what it was and and what it probably will be uh in the next five you know hopefully five years not any more than that but um it, it's very That's exciting
3: exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of... all of the different kind of um things that we can get into it's so mm-hmm. exciting and it's something that even like uh when I started like pharmacy school I didn't even know that there's all these different uh ways for pharmacists to get involved so it's very exciting
2: and especially with the minor ailment prescribing that's hopefully coming to Ontario soon fingers (laughs) crossed um that will definitely change the scope of pharmacy as well and hopefully relieve some of that healthcare burden um and shift people to uh, some more local or more accessible treatments so we're hoping that coming
0: soon <laughs> yeah fingers crossed I mean and I think that that's something that people I mean because healthcare is provincial I mean the prescribing rights of pharmacists vary so mm-hmm. so, so different you know they're so different between each province mm-hmm. and um, you know we always want to say you know New Brunswick now Alberta and hopefully Ontario it's coming like the every, you know everyone has the same education they should be you know prescribing rights for for all pharmacists, no matter where they're practicing. So yeah, I um, waited with bated breath for that, but, and you kind of, uh, I love it because you really alluded um, and kind of segued nicely into the next question. And I had sort of, you know, was reading some articles and I love this quote that pharmacy will likely transform from a dispensing, from dispensing a product to providing personalized treatment focused on improving clinical outcomes. So, you know, you've all sort of even already talked about this. And and so what is your, you know, take on how this shift is going to happen? And what that means?
1: I see it already happening. Like I've seen it like working in a pharmacy since I was in high school, I've seen it just like gradually change year per year. Mm -hmm. And like the pharmacist role, I've seen it even changing since that. And like when I first started, it was very like, okay, just just like dispensing and Mm -hmm. like, you know, a couple consultations, but nothing like crazy. And now it's like, the pharmacist like is doing like all this consultations they're dispensing medications they're um providing other education about like not even like consultations but like doctors are calling being like okay we want information whereas like that didn't really used to happen as much now it's like doctors calling us and and then, like, also, too, like, in my last co-op, we started doing um, HbA1c testing, so, like, testing um, diabetics' blood mm-hmm. sugar um, right in the pharmacy, which never used to be able to happen. You used to have to, you know, always go for a blood work, and now you can just come to the pharmacy. They can do it there, have the results in, like, five minutes, and then personalize your medication and make recommendations and contact your doctor on the spot, being like, okay, yeah, your sugar le- sugar levels aren't controlled. This is what we're going to do about it, or this is how I'm going to recommend Your doctor that we make changes and this is what you can do. So it's really like changing, just like you see it all the time. Like that just happened when I was on co-op in January. And there's so much more with like minor ailment prescribing Mm -hmm. coming. It's gonna just shift our role completely again.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. It's uh hopefully we're we're starting to focus less on the the medication itself Mm -hmm. and more on the people and I've noticed in the pharmacy that I'm currently working at as a community pharmacy, um, it's looking at the individual as a whole and what they need. And, you know, if compliance is an issue, what maybe it's, you're picking your three most important medications, because that's all you know, they're going to take. And something like that, that you kind of have to tailor it to the individual. Obviously you're trying to talk them into, you know, you need all of these medications, but for these reasons, but some of them, um, don't have, have a strong correlation between, you know, the number of medications and the um, degree of illness. And so, you know, it might be using those combo pills for um, people with who think like that, or, you know, those compliance packaging. So that way people uh, have all their meds together and they don't forget them as often. And so it's looking more at the person as a whole and reviewing their medication. So, I know oftentimes there's medications and it says, oh, you need to discontinue that. Well, we forget that we keep faxing for refill. So going back and actually checking and making sure that we're discontinuing all the appropriate medications or starting new ones when they're supposed to be started or tapering doses and all of that stuff um, that we're, we're focusing on what our patient needs and how they're responding. So maybe that taper isn't working for them. We need to contact the doctor again. Mm -hmm. And I know there's sometimes that it'll be a back and forth between the pharmacy and the doctor, probably five to 10 times just to get a solution that's right for this particular patient. And that solution is not going to be the same as what's next for the, what's right for the next patient. So Mm -hmm. it's really learning who your patients are and trying to optimize their needs and their medications and do what suits their
3: lifestyle. I would have to agree as well. And I would say that um, one of like, the big focuses um, would have to be interprofessional communication uh, and again like as Ali and Mac were um, discussing uh, patient-centered care because I know like with every patient that I've interacted with each patient is different and um, the care that they need is different and again it's not just about the medications but it's about lifestyle choices and mm-hmm. diet so we can get uh, the dietitian involved, uh, we can talk with the doctor, nurses, social workers. Um, I would say that in terms of therapeutics, all of our knowledge is expanding. Um, and with all of this knowledge that we have, uh, we're relying on other healthcare professionals and networking with them to ensure that patients really get the best care that they need.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of patient centric care and kind of still kind of going down this um, transformation of the industry, what are some of the biggest changes coming? I mean, we've talked a little bit, is there any other big changes that are coming to the industry? And I'll actually throw in there, what are the biggest challenges?
1: Hmm. Okay, that's, yeah, a good one, actually. So I was actually working on um, looking at this a little bit with my team last week, and we were looking at the um, exemptions regarding controlled and narcotic substances that are currently in place because of covid right now so in the past a pharmacist can never renew um a narcotic if, like we can renew other medications but we had no power to renew um controlled or narcotic prescriptions and there was a lot of regulations regarding them but they made an exemption because of covid because doctors offices were closed patients couldn't get in and we can't just stop Um, Opioid care um, because of withdrawal and you know making sure patients are still being kept optimally treated and stuff so anyways um, we are hope like I would like to see that continue and we were discussing that as I was saying um, last week and trying to see if the government will allow us to continue that so that we can actually initiate um, opioids if needed and help patients more like if they come in and they say, okay, this dose is too strong for me, rather than having to contact a doctor and have a patient taking a dose that's too strong until we hear back from a doctor that the pharmacist could just automatically write a new prescription for a lower dose or initiate like methadone treatment to help if a patient's addicted, being able to help them um, with that therapy, which right now is only available through a doctor um, and very specialized clinics. So I'd like to see that continue, but yeah.
2: I think what's really great is over the last few years we've really seen the scope of pharmacists expand mm-hmm. it wasn't really that long ago that to get a flu shot you had to go to your doctor and now pretty much all pharmacies offer like walk-in appointments and stuff like mm-hmm. that we've seen the covid vaccine rollout that has been huge uh pharmacies have been game changers with that rollout as well mm-hmm. um we already talked about the minor ailment prescribing that's coming so i think all of these changes Um, that pharmacists are able to take advantage of are definitely going to impact how we're able to proceed but I think one challenge that comes with that is making the public aware of what pharmacists can do we've Mm -hmm. started to hit that more with COVID but there's pharmacists are able to do a lot more than we kind of give them credit for oftentimes Mm -hmm. and so we can't use our scope unless people come to us and people won't come to us unless they know I don't need to go to my doctor to do such and such. I need to just go see my pharmacist and they're right there and I don't need to make an appointment or whatever it may be. So we're going to need to find a way to broadcast what we can and can't do. And once again, the challenges are that those change depending on what province you're in. So, you know, you might be able to walk into your pharmacy for this when you're in Alberta. That's not the same in Ontario. And so it's definitely, I, I would love to see universal <laughs> care that way, but obviously yeah. that's not something I can control. Um, but I'm really optimistic about what the scope of pharmacists are going to allow them to do to make those changes happen. And I think that'll be really good for the health of our communities. Mm-hmm.
3: I would have to agree as well that um, I would really like to see uh, the exemptions that were placed uh, during the pandemic continue just because uh, working in community pharmacy during the time I was able to witness firsthand how valuable it was to have that that, uh, extra ability to help patients when they really need us. And Mm -hmm. um, I would agree also with like the challenge of um, ensuring that patients are aware of uh, all of pharmacists uh, abilities and I think one of the other challenges too that I often face more so in community pharmacy but uh, sometimes in hospital pharmacy as well is uh, getting patients to understand what exactly the role of the pharmacist is in terms of like their medications because I find like Sometimes patients will come in and they'll say, like, well, my doctor told me this. And then we're, as pharmacists, we're able to expand upon the therapeutics Mm -hmm. of the medication. And it's sometimes like they're not really believing us. They're kind of like, "Okay, yeah, but my doctor still said this. So I do find, I think, with education, uh, that will really help patients understand that we are your medication experts and Mm -hmm. uh, this is our area of expertise. So I think that's one of the challenges that uh, is still prevalent today.
0: Right. And then, so I'm kind of, um, you know, Ali, you just, you know, touched on it with the you, you spoke about raising awareness of the scope of practice and, and even sort of Julie right now talking about, again, that awareness of, you know, how the, you know, the expanded of the therapies and the role of the pharmacist and people not sort of, Understanding that, and even sometimes I think in both, maybe sometimes um, mis- misutilized in HCP practice in you know healthcare as a whole, as well as you know, sort of the the patient side of things. So, what kind of industry partnerships and collaborations, you know, would you think are going to be beneficial to sort of help with these two issues and help with other things that, um, that you see in pharmacy?
1: I think one thing, um, like a big one, is just um, getting that collaboration going with doctors. If you're in a community, getting that um, industry, um, I guess, collaboration going with them, Um, especially in a small community, like in my town, we only have so many doctors. So building that really strong relationship with them and with other healthcare practitioners um, in the area, so like the nurses and the dentists, it really impacts the, like, our ability to care for patients, because if a a doctor can say, oh, I'd rather you see your pharmacist for this and they trust you, then it's a lot easier than trying to change a patient's mind after they've already spoken to the doctor and think that the doctor told them what they need to know. So I think that's a big thing. And I also just, um, sorry, I forget where I was going with that. (laughs) Um, That's like the major thing is getting that collaboration. But I think like our schools nowadays are doing a really good job of doing that. Part of our curriculum um, to graduate, or I guess requirements, is actually an interprofessional education. Um, um, basically, courses like we have to do so many credits. Um, so we have to like find, um, right now it's all been over like Zoom and stuff, but presentations um, that we can interact with other healthcare professionals just to get that collaboration going so that when we're ready to um go into the workforce we know how to interact with other healthcare professionals and we know how to communicate with them to best serve our patients we know what they can do and they know what we can do and try to just work together so i guess industry-wise is just interacting with all aspects of healthcare industry doesn't matter how big or how small everybody has impact and really understanding each other's roles benefits patients and that's what we're here to do so
2: and I think on top of, you know, the traditional ones we think of collaborating with are, you know, the doctors, the nurses, but not forgetting about, you know, the dietitians that we would recommend if a patient had diabetes or the physiotherapist. So I currently work at a compounding pharmacy and the number of times that we're interacting with the physiotherapist and it's okay, based on everything the physiotherapist knows, this is our recommendation that we then send to the doctor. And so having that circle of care and clear communication throughout that, I think is really important to optimize our patient centered care and obviously the flow of our pharmacies as well. So Mm -hmm. I think that's not just focusing on our, our traditional, you know, prescribers, but anyone who is in that patient circle of care and can play a role. And also even interacting with, you know, the families, um, because for some people, it's not just them that they wanted to talk you to talk to their medications, but it's the whole family and they're very open about things. And so that might be another aspect of it too, is considering everyone as opposed to just the patient.
3: Right. Um, I would agree as well. I think uh, a big part of um where we would like the industry to go right now is uh based around interprofessional communication and i would say that um like just recently working in the hospital i was actually in uh one of the uh, little offices behind the nursing station and so back there um basically like there's nurses doing charting there's uh, physicians doing charting there's a dietitian actually as well in the room the pharmacist that I was shadowing, and then a bunch of students, and um, one of the nurses, nursing students, was doing research, and she um, was kind of like just talking to herself. But she's like, "I wonder what cannabinoid hyperemesis is." And uh, the pharmacist was actually able to jump in and explain uh, that it's a situation where there's uh, just basically the patient is experiencing extreme nausea and vomiting. Uh, due to uh, the use of cannabis. And the pharmacist was also able to explain that in order to treat this, um, mainly patients have to uh, avoid using cannabis, but uh, in order to reduce the symptoms, uh, we recommend they take hot showers or baths. And I found it was just a really neat experience to see uh, different professions interacting and sharing knowledge, not even just uh, in the sense of uh, in terms of benefiting a patient, but just in terms mm-hmm. of sharing knowledge.
0: Oh, I love that example. that 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 must have been a nice aha moment for for both of you. <laughs> and I'm <Yes>. going to <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to throw it in because I know a lot of um, at least you know my fellow even HBA board members come from pharma. So I, if you could give sort of, I don't want to say the word advice, but sort of where do you see pharma collaborations in you know, supporting and helping to empower you, what would those kind of collaborations look like? Or what would you sort of want from them? You know, that industry, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I put them right on the hot seat. I was like, this is not one of the pre <laughs> preset questions.
2: I think one of the biggest things is to have like resources available um, for All people. So, whether it's something that we give to patients, whether it's something Mm -hmm. that we can read ourselves, and having access to that information, because every day science is changing, pharmacy is changing. And so, being able to stay up to date and current on that stuff. And there's a lot of things in pharmacy. And no matter who you are, unless you're amazing, I'm not saying that all pharmacists aren't amazing, but you can't know everything. Mm-hmm. And so, being able to have kind of a one-stop shop in order to get that information, I think, is really critical, and mm-hmm. would benefit all all aspects of healthcare. And it doesn't need to just be pharmacists; it can also be for uh, physicians and nurses and whoever else is contributing. Mm-hmm.
1: that's so true. Like, I just think of my last co-op term where a patient left one of their biologic um, injections out of the fridge for like an extended period of time. And those are like crazy expensive meds, but we don't have a lot of resources about them as pharmacists. So we had to contact the manufacturer, but it's just so complicated. Like it took us like, I think four days to be able to just get a phone call through to them. First of all, they're international. So we were calling the UK, so there's time differences. But it's like, if there was just somewhere where we could have that, like, like Ali said, like a straightforward platform where we can (laughs) access that information and it doesn't Mm -hmm. take three days to get a hold of somebody, just ask them, how long can it be left out of the fridge for? It's not on the box. It's not on the monograph. We couldn't find it anywhere. So the patient was without their medication and then getting frustrated at us and we're having to order new medication. And it was like, I forget, it was like a $2,500 injection. So it's like, it's not cheap you don't want to play around with it so I agree with Ali you you want a, a resource that would be like the best thing but it doesn't always happen <laughs> yikes
3: I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a very interesting example too because I mean um a lot of the times like you don't think of the time zones or how difficult it can be to access certain information until you're actually placed in a situation like that. So I would, I would have to agree, like resources would be um, very helpful in that sense. And Mm -hmm. um, I know too, like in the hospital, I find it is a lot easier um, to Uh, work interprofessionally just because uh, there's nurses and physicians and dietitians right there whereas in community pharmacy you either have to do fax or phone call and again you can be playing phone tag or uh, just having to send repeated faxes so I would say that um, easier access definitely definitely would help a lot
0: yeah one day we'll be away from faxes hopefully (laughs)
2: I don't know I think the fax machine might be here to say it's going to be a dinosaur oh and we're all going to be doing everything else but the fax machine <laughs> will always be there oh my god! it's gosh. like the, the center of pharmacy and
1: I the worst one because when it runs out of paper and you suddenly realize and you put paper in and there's like 30 faxes shooting out you're just like crying because then you're like oh my god what's <laughs> now I have 30 patients that are expecting meds in the next hour
0: <laughs> I what, yeah, I just I have no words sometimes listeners Um, the amount of things pharmacists are doing behind the counter is just is is shocking. So I like that. I think that um, part of my, uh, I guess, professional passion is to work sort of bring that collaboration a little bit more. By working at CPHA, from pharma to to you know you guys as pharmacists, because I think you just hit the nail on the head. Is that there just needs to be you no know, more support, education, more empowerment? Because at the end of the day, we all want you know better patient outcomes, you know the best patient outcomes. So I think that it's you know important, as I said earlier, to really see pharmacists differently when it comes to you know marketing and, and that educational and awareness. So last question, I swear. Um, I just kind of wanted you to give your advice to anyone taking the pharmacy program based on, you know, anything and everything that you've experienced so far.
1: Okay. Well, my favorite (laughs) piece of advice and Ali and Julie, will probably remember this. We had a a, um, guest professor come in and um, it was like within our first month of pharmacy and his advice to us was seize, get degrees. So basically there's a lot, go around that so our passing average is a 60 so in the c range Mm -hmm. um but he was basically trying to say to us um we're not there just to get good grades we're there to learn the information so it's not about Mm. what you pass the exam with as long as you pass it that's the big thing but because you kind of have to (laughs) um but it's it's to make sure that you're actually understanding information and taking something away from it rather than just memorizing it Um, Because that's such a big thing is like, Mm -hmm. you know, memorize it for the test, but do you actually know it? Are you actually going to be able to help a patient with a question? And then the other part of going off that is just taking time for yourself and not stressing about getting the grades all the time. Um, Our big thing (laughs) through our whole course has been self-care, especially because we are what we call the pandemic class. We haven't we've only had two months of in-person learning, basically our whole um, two years of school so far out of a four year program. So like it's when you're learning on a computer all the time and you're like isolated, you're not with friends. A big thing is taking time to do something for yourself. So yeah, biggest advice is C's get degrees. Don't make it just about the grades. Take time for yourself and take time to actually make sure you know the information.
2: I will definitely echo what Mac just said. (laughs) One of my favorite lines that Uh, a pharmacist had told me before going into school and this is like the it's probably been the best advice I've ever gotten it was get the grade that you feel you need to be a good pharmacist if you think you need an 80 to be a good pharmacist then strive for that 80 if you are feel that you can provide great patient care and you only need a 60 to do that Then don't be upset when you get a 60. Like if you feel confident, you can provide that care. So um, that has definitely been words that I have lived by and definitely cherished and changed my perspective. And so those that would be my my main advice. (laughs) And the other thing I would say, you know, Mackenzie said about being able to actually retain the information. And I kind of see the opposite point. You don't need to know everything. You need to know where to find everything. So Mm. learning your resources and where to access things, how to answer questions, what you need to search, all of that stuff to me is more important than retaining all of the knowledge because everything is going to be changing. For like, Most things are going to be changing or it's going to be that obscure drug or that new drug or whatever. Mm -hmm. You need to know where to find that information because you're not going to have learned everything in school. You've got to continually be learning and continually be searching for everything. So that would be my advice or my recommendations. And that doesn't just apply to pharmacy school, that applies to pharmacists as well. (laughs) Um,
3: Some advice that I can offer would be uh, to continually strive to learn new things, because I know like the profession of pharmacy is ever changing. um, And throughout our entire careers, we'll always be having to make sure that we're updated with the Newest guidelines and the newest medications, and mm. um, I would say to just always uh, approach every opportunity um, with a positive attitude and as excited as you can be, because again, like this is our profession, and um, there's so much to learn and so much that, uh, so much knowledge that we can uh, bring forth. So I really think that. Uh, to stay stay excited and uh keep uh keep excelling at your career
0: (laughs) absolutely and I mean what a great way to wrap up with that advice I love that I wish that I had uh, heard that when I was in university many years ago (laughs) but um that was that was fantastic and You know, Mackenzie, Allie, Julie, thank you so much for speaking with us. Your insights, you know, you really will be the, you know, the leaders of tomorrow, the influencers of tomorrow, and I'm so excited to sort of follow your careers and you know cheer you on from from the sidelines and i'll just sort of leave everyone with a quote i was reading um you know a fantastic article uh, about pharmacists on healthing.ca and there's a uh, darren eckerson a pharmacist in alberta said pharmacy will save the day and i know that i couldn't agree more and i'm sure you guys are with me on that as well
1: absolutely <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> thanks for having us Christina it was a pleasure to be here
0: yeah yeah no problem thank
1: you so much and yeah and I hope to you know see
0: you at some point maybe in person you can make it to Toronto for an HBA event and for everyone interested in joining the HBA you can check out our HBA website at hbanet.org make sure you follow our LinkedIn page HBA Canada Region and up next we will have another great Canadian leader in healthcare coming your way in mid-October I want to give a big thanks to our HPA community for listening today. I am Christina Bellier, Marketing and Communications Board member and your host for today's podcast. And until next time, let's push boundaries and rise together.